Hi everyone, Chris here from IELTS VIP Podcast and welcome to the IELTS VIP Podcast. So thank you very much for joining me. In today's session, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a question that one of our VIP students asked, which is something that many of you might have been thinking as well. Why are IELTS writing scores almost always lower than the other three? So normally you, what you'll see is quite high reading and listening scores and then slightly lower speaking scores, and then lower again writing scores. So the students that we normally work with are, I'd say the average for reading and, and listening is is around an eight, like actually quite high. And then the, the speaking, the average when they first come to us is maybe seven, 6.5, something like that. But the, the writing is always lower. It's like 6.5, six, or even 5.5. And if you actually look at the the the, um, the data from IELTS, IELTS does publish a lot of data. If you go on to IELTS.org um, or if you Google IELTS statistics or IELTS data, um, you'll find a lot of information. And the, one of the things that they publish is like the mean average score for each country. And in every single country, the listening and reading scores are always higher than the speaking and writing scores. And the, the writing scores are always the lowest. So... Why is that? So what we're going to talk about in this podcast are some common things that a lot of people believe is are the reasons, um, which are actually not true. And then we're going to look at a very, very simple, real reason, the, the, the actual reason. And it will shock you how simple this is. And I'm not, I haven't heard anyone talking about this. I haven't heard anyone coming up with this explanation. And when you, when you think about it, it, it does become very, very apparent that this is the real reason. And then what I'm going to do is talk about uh, what you can do to actually improve your writing scores. Because at the end of the day, we're not going to spend a lot of time, you know, worrying about why this is or, um, you know, it might be this reason or that reason. At the end of the day, if you're listening to this podcast, what you want to do is improve your writing scores. So we're going to help you out with that. So anytime that, that students see this, and, and if you are, if you have been doing IELTS for a long time, like many of our, our students have, before they come to us, they might have been doing the test like five or six times. And every time they get high reading and listening scores and, and lower writing scores. What tends to happen is students start to, to blame things um, without really having enough information to, to come to that conclusion. So let's talk about some of these, I would call them conspiracy theories so there's the the one that you'll hear regularly is the conspiracy theory that IELTS purposely um, lower your writing score so that you'll have to repeat the test and then they'll make lots of money now let's think about this for a second so what you're saying is that thousands of people literally thousands of people that, that work in IELTS all over the world working in hundreds of different locations are all in on this scam because it is a criminal scam if this is true and in what how many years has this been going on and there's not one single piece of evidence real evidence for it there's a lot of circumstantial evidence but there's not like a memo or any training or a single member of staff has ever come out. So it's kind of like the JFK assassination conspiracy or man didn't land on the moon conspiracy. Like it sounds tempting to believe that, but it's just simply not true when you, when you think about it logically. Um, and uh, myself, I know quite a few IELTS examiners and we, you know, 
I haven't heard anything like this where they purposely put the the scores down. Um, and the fact that uh, pe the people that own IELTS are the British government, uh, the British Council, part, partly owned by the British um, British government, or it's a quasi um, governmental body, uh, University of Cambridge. IDP, which is associated with many, many very reputable uh, um, universities all over the world, including a lot of Australian universities. Do you think they all are entering into a criminal conspiracy to get your $200? Like, I don't think anyone want, wants to risk jail time over this. So that one, even though many people will still believe that, they're the type of people that believe that you know man didn't go to the moon or the earth is flat. Um, the other reason that you hear quite a lot is that because writing is sub that it's it's um, ex an examiner is looking at your your essay or your task one response because they are subjective that that would lead to automatically to lower scores. Well, I don't think that's true either because you have to remember that the speaking test is just as subjective as the, as a writing test if that's your position. So why is the speaking test not as low as the writing test so that you know again applying logic to a conspiracy it kind of you know it, it blows that out of the water um, if that were true then if, if people were being really really subjective that wouldn't normally lead to always lower scores and if you look at the mean or look at the averages the writing scores are always lower than the reading and listening scores um, the, the mean ones and the, the, um, the average ones so if someone was just being really, really subjective, that would bring in a lot of randomness. So I wouldn't really um, put too much stock in, in that theory either. The third thing that you'll hear a lot, normally from people trying to sell you courses or people trying to get you to join their, um, their IELTS center or language center or review center, whatever it is, that there's some kind of tips or tricks or secrets that they have. And you just have to learn these secrets. You just have to learn these tricks and you'll be able to get a high score. And there's some like special way of doing um, the writing task two test, the writing task one test. Again, that's nonsense. It's just marketing. Um, it's just them trying to say that because they don't actually know how to teach the test. They don't actually know what to do themselves. So they're more interested in taking your money than actually helping you. Um, so I wouldn't believe people who tell you that either, that there's some special thing that you need to do. So those are like the three most common reasons. If you're watching on YouTube, what are the other reasons that you think? Um, let me know in the comments and it'd be interesting to, to see what, what people think about that. I think those are the three most common things. But let's look at the real reason. Okay, so, and if you disagree with me, tell me like if i would i don't mind entering into a debate with you and you know i'll always apply logic to the to the debate so um i don't mind doing that but here's what i think is is happening so what i want you to do is think about the number of collective number of hours you have spent reading and listening in english so think about the number of hours you've spent listening to english tv to uh, to movies to radio and when you're in class listening to your teacher, when you're in class talking to other students, um, all of that input that's going into your brain. Try and have a rough guess of how many hours that is. Could be 100 hours, could be 500 hours, could even be thousands of hours. If you have, like my son, uh, 
the first four years, no, first two years of his life, he was in Vietnam. Vietnam is not an English-speaking country, but he was surrounded by English because he was watching English TV. He was looking at YouTube clips of, of like, anytime he left the house, he would hear English on the street by people, you know, people speaking it or in restaurants or when he was going out. It's a huge amount of information that's going in. And every time you're doing that, you're practicing, you're, you're listening. Also think about reading. Uh, how many hours have you spent reading uh, in English? Even just small things like going outside and reading signs or reading a book or reading a menu or in class you're reading your textbook or whatever that is or you know, even watching YouTube right now and, and reading some subtitles or, or something like that. Again, a huge number of hours, could be hundreds, could even be thousands of hours. Then think about how long you spend speaking so anytime you go into a classroom, especially people who've gone to a school like the British Council or um, International House or one of any, any place where you're practicing your English, what is the main way that the teacher gets you to practice your English? It, they get you to read, they get you to listen, and then they get you to chat about it. 95% of the time when you are producing language in, in, a, in a classroom, you're not writing, you're speaking. So what, and, th and this is very um, common because of something called the, the, the communicative approach in um, that's the, the dominant approach for, uh, for English teaching is get students to talk and get, get them to interact with each other. So then compare that with the, the amount of time that you have spent with a pen in your hand writing English on a, in a piece of paper. Then compare that with take out all the texting that you're doing, take out all the, just typing a, a little email, and think about the amount of time that you've spent writing an essay, writing an academic essay in English, or writing an academic report, or writing a letter, the things that you have to do in the IELTS test. The, the ratio between writing and listening is going to be massive. It might be hundreds to one, even thousand, a, a thousand to one. For every hundred hours or even a thousand hours that you spent listening, you might do one or two hours of writing. So why are writing scores lower than listening and reading and speaking? Because you just don't write that much, all right? It's a skill. Like imagine I played cricket for 1,000 hours, tennis for 700 hours, then basketball for 500 hours, and then I spent 50 hours boxing. Would I be a good boxer? No, I'd be a terrible boxer, but I'd be pretty good at all the other ones because I've practiced it. Writing is a skill, reading is a skill, listening is a skill, speaking is a skill. The more you do them, the better you become. Very, very rarely, if at all, do you practice writing in English, and especially not writing an academic essay or a report. So, and many native English speakers would actually struggle with the writing test because it requires not only your ability to to use English grammar and vocabulary and all of these things, but you have to know how to structure and write an effective argument and, and um, organize your, your writing, paragraphing, all of these basic things um, that seem basic to someone like me who, you know, all day, every day I'm writing um, and teaching people writing, but to most people that doesn't come very naturally. So, and it also comes down to the fact that a lot of English teachers shy away from teaching writing um, because students don't like it, all right? So anytime 
I was teaching like in, in the British Council or any other school and I would have a writing lesson, most of the uh, most of the students were like, oh, we just want to chat to each other. We just want to play games. We just want to do silly things. We don't want to sit down and, and, and write because the, the, uh, the classroom is silent for 45 minutes um, out, of the, out of the hour or if it's a two-hour lesson, like an hour and a half is just you sitting there um, writing or, or me telling you what you're doing up on the board. Um, so it's not the most exciting class in the world and, and a lot of teachers do, don't like that because they don't like for their students to be unhappy with them. They, they want to you know, please the crowd. Um, so students don't get that much practice in class either. Um, so it's just never taught. And even when it is taught, it's not really taught properly um, because many of the people teaching it don't know how to write either. So it is a, a, a something that's just not uh, practiced, not taught well, and not taught often. So is it any surprise why the average writing score in the world is like 5.5 uh, when, when these things are happening? It's nothing to do with conspiracy theories. It's nothing to do with the, the, the test being subjective. It's nothing to do with any tricks or secrets or anything like that. And if you disagree with me, tell me. Feel free to tell me. Um, I w I'd love to engage with you and, and, and find out what you think about that. Um, just go onto our YouTube um, channel. If you're w listening to the podcast, we publish these um, podcasts on our YouTube channel. Go on there and you'll find this podcast in video format and you can comment below and, and let me know what you think about that. But there's, it's kind of a waste of time, though, to debate these things. So anytime that I have a student who is constantly asking questions and debating this with me. I, I will debate it with them for a, for a little while, but then at the, end, at the end of the day, I'll say to them, is this helping you become a better writer? Is this helping you improve your IELTS writing scores? They kind of like, no, it's actually not. I say, okay, how about instead of debating this topic, we just find out how to get you better writing scores? And they go, okay, so let me tell you how to do that. So, Think about this as a, a cycle. So if you're listening to the podcast, think about the things you're going to say as part of a cycle that is going to help you improve. So the first stage is you need to learn, all right? You need to learn what to do. So uh, one of the things that we do with our VIP students is the first thing is, is show that we have a like a 24-module course on, high, on IELTS writing, like 12 modules for task one, 12 modules for task two. And we start off at the beginning, and we're like, these are the different types of questions, these are the skills, these are these is how to write an introduction, a main body paragraph, conclusion, here, here are all the different things you need to know. So you need that data, you need that, um, th that know-how um, before you can move forward. Um, then the next stage, the next part of the cycle is you're going to have to do those things. So you're going to have to learn what to do and then attempt to do those things. And you will fail at them. But that's all part of the process. It's like um, learning how to, to ride, ride a bike. You, your dad or your mom can show you what to do or your brother or your sister, or, you know, big brother or big sister showing you what to do. But you're going to have to fall off your bike a few times. Right? That's a natural part of learning how to ride a bike. Okay, put a helmet on and... You know, make sure you're okay, but you're going to have to fall a couple of times. Same with a baby, a toddler learning how to um, to to walk. 
you have to learn how to crawl first and then when you start to walk you're going to fall over a couple of times you're going to bang your head a few times um my son certainly did um and or a a, a toddler like a four-year-old my little boy right now um he's learning how to perfect his English and perfect his Vietnamese and it's not perfect he's constantly making mistakes but he doesn't care about those mistakes he's he's getting better all the time so learn what to do then do it unsuccessfully because you can't go from you know you can't go from crawling on the floor to sprinting immediately so learn what to do then do it and, and do it unsuccessfully do it as as best as you can but you'll do it unsuccessfully now if you stop there you're not going to learn anything. The next part of the cycle, so learn, do, and the next part of the cycle is feedback. All right, so you're going to need someone to tell you where you're going wrong because you might be doing it unsuccessfully, but you've no idea that you are doing it unsuccessfully. Um, like, like many people, if you think that you are right all the time, then you've no idea that you were wrong. Um, or you might just know that you're doing something wrong, but you don't know where or you don't know how you're doing it. So you need feedback on your work. And for many of you, what you need to do is find a really, really good teacher to help you with that. You're not going to help. You're not going to be able to to learn something as specific as writing an essay fr- by just figuring it figuring it out yourself. Very few people can do that. Um, like like anything why do we have teachers why do we have coaches to principally to give feedback to people and show people the way so that's the the third part of the cycle the last part of the cycle is improvement knowing how to do it so and that's the final part of the cycle and then you go to the you go around again to learn so what what do i need to learn now then to do then to feedback then to improvement then back to learn so let's think of an example uh, something that you're going to need to learn how to do will be paraphrasing. So what you need to do is learn what paraphrasing is, learn how to paraphrase theoretically, learn the theory behind it, and then try and paraphrase. You'll mess it up, but then you get a teacher to give you feedback on that and say, okay, you're doing this right, that's great, this, you need to fix this a little bit, that's terrible, don't, don't do that again, you need to do a lot of work on this, Like give, showing you where you're going right, where you're going wrong. Then you'll do it again, and you'll improve. Then you go to the next thing. Okay, I've mastered that. Now I know. Now I need to know how to write an introduction. Okay, within an introduction, what what do I need to know how to do? Main body paragraph. Okay, I need to know how to write a topic sentence. Let's learn that. Let's write a topic sentence. Let's get feedback on it. Let's improve it. Next explanations. How do I do that? Boom, boom, boom. So doing it in a very, very systematic, logical way. I'm a very logical person, um, and that's how my brain works, but it, it, it is a very, very good way to, to learn something. Um, that's how you improve your writing. Obviously, you're going to need that input. You're going to need to learn what to do. You're going to need those lessons. You're going to need practice activities. You're going to need feedback on your work. Um, obviously, I can't help everybody. I'm just one person, and there's quite a few people watching this video right now we've over a million people um on our on on our facebook page alone for example however um what we're doing at the moment is so today is the 15th of november 2018 is that correct i wrote 2019 Mm -hmm. the other day for some reason um but normally at the beginning of 2019 i write 2018 anyway so um 
what we were going to do on Monday, Monday the 19th, is it? Yeah. On the 19th, um, so if you're watching this before the 19th, we're going to do a new free course called IELTS Essay Builder. And what we're going to do in that is it's a five-day course. And we're going to have three lessons, three tasks, and three feed three feedback sessions. So there's going to be a lesson on how to write an introduction, how to write a main body paragraph, and how to write a conclusion. There's going to be a task, on write an introduction, write a main body paragraph, write a conclusion, and then three feedback sessions, giving you feedback on your work. It's totally free. Um, normally, we charge hundreds of dollars for something like this, but we're doing it for free this month. Um, and if you're interested, if you're watching the podcast, just Google IELTS Essay Builder. So if you just Google IELTS Essay Builder, and it'll be the first option. You, but you have to join before the 19th because it starts on the 19th. We, if you're listening after the 19th of November 2018, you might be listening to this 2028. <laughs> Hopefully I won't be teaching IELTS then. Um, but if it's for the 19th of November 2018, then um, by all means join. We currently have 12,000 people who have joined already we're going to close it at 15,000 so um get in there it's free uh, we've done it before and it's always been really really successful um so get in there if you want to improve let me know what you think about that it's always interesting to to, to see different perspectives on on everything um, especially why you think those scores are lower and what can be done about it um if if you're on youtube let me know in the comments and that's pretty much it for today. Um, thank you very much to everyone who has rated the podcast five stars. We've had nothing but five-star ratings um, so far. Thank you very much. Thank you to everybody who has subscribed um, to the podcast. This uh, Subscribing to the podcast and rating the podcast and uh, um, giving us reviews, that, that does really encourage us to, to create more um, and really helps the podcast out. Thank you very much, guys. And if you need anything else, go to our website, um, IELTSadvantage.com. So if you just Google IELTS Advantage, you'll find a lot of information on our website. We also have our Facebook page, our Instagram, our YouTube, wherever you normally hang out on the internet. Go and check us out there and subscribe or like it, and you'll get all our updates and, uh, and everything. Thank you very much, guys, and hope you enjoyed that podcast. Let me know if you did, and look forward to hearing from you. Bye-bye.